You're listening to John's Cast, an unofficial fan podcast about the greatest Australian football team, the Essendon Bombers. My name is Jamie. And I'm Nick. It's been a big week of bomber news, mate. Certainly has, Jamie. So we've got the uh, well, Dylan Shield news. Unfortunately, we tried to appeal that one, tried to get it downgraded, and maybe he only copped a one-week suspension, but the AFL wanted to make us pay again and kept it at two games. Yeah, it's sort of it's really frustrating because they seem to interpret the rules on how they want to see it on that week. I mean, look, even that week, the same weekend, so um, Gary Rowan uh, took out one of the Brisbane <clears throat> Brisbane players with his shoulder, got the head. Um, basically, the same thing happened with Shield. So the player got back up, played the rest of the game. Um, and that was deemed to be fine, no worries. Um, but then with Shield, um, they've they've gone hard on him. And personally, I thought initially it would have been an optics thing to go for two weeks first, like go hard because with the Ben Long one happened just before that, the AFL would really want to stamp this out of the game and quite rightfully. But you know, in the actual deliber- deliberations of uh, Shield's hearing. They mentioned that um, while the impact wasn't high because the the um, player was able to play out the rest of the game and the medical bill came back clear from North Melbourne, they talked about um, it's the potential impact. So they kept it as high. And, you know, it's just frustrating because you look at Zach Merritt's decision a couple of weeks earlier where, you know, a little love tap to Silvani uh, and they said, oh, no. Nah, Look, the action itself wasn't bad, but the the overall impact, um, you know, made him injured. So you've got a couple of week for that. So it's just disappointing when they interpret it on oh, no, up. It's the actual impact or it's the potential impact, depending on what narrative they want to spin that week. Yeah, I just found it incredibly hard done by for Dylan Shield. He's never been reported before and they showed no leniency. And to make it even worse... When you look at the Ben Long incident, can you imagine he only got one extra week than Dylan Shield, who'd never been reported before? So, to me, the inconsistency of the tribunal is a bit of a joke, to be honest, and we saw that at full flight that week. Yep, but now, look, welcome to the Bombers' Shield. Um, But, you know, we'll we'll lick our wounds and carry on from this. The... um... You know, all we can do is uh, keep pushing. And, um, you know, next soldier comes up into the line and, um, you know, we play with the best team available. Yeah, that's right. Once the decision's made, like, we can bemoan it, but it won't change and we have to move on. Uh, another news, uh, again, disappointing. Uh, Joe Danaher was on, by all reports, you know, making steady progress and, you know, ramping up into full match fitness. Uh and maybe play some scratch matches soon. He's uh, picked up a calf injury. He's going to be out for at least 10 to 14 days. Yeah, John Worsfold mentioned that, you know, Danaher had started another running session. He's been doing quite a lot of running recently to really get his match fitness up and going. But um, he's obviously tweaked a calf. They got it scanned, and sure enough, he had. So um, they reckon, yeah, they'll just sort of ice him for... You know, 10 to 14 days or so, and then hopefully ramp him back up again. But, I mean, I suppose the the positive thing, if anything, is that he has been doing quite a lot of running over the last months. 
so hopefully it won't take him too long to get back up to speed and I guess while he's working on that um, the recovery he he can do other things you know whether it's uh, upper body stuff or something else so he, um, it's better to manage him with something small now than to just push him on and have it yeah get worse later but yeah disappointing nonetheless uh, Connor McKenna, we learnt he had a um, needed surgery on his finger, and he did tell a news report earlier in the week that he'd been ruled out, but he's been named tonight. Yeah, it's sort of interesting. And like during the game, I remember uh, I think it was BT mentioned, oh, uh, you know, Connor McKenna seems to have had a dislocated finger, but oh no, he's put it back in. So I'm, <laughs> I'm sort of hoping he didn't um, overcorrect when he was. Um, yeah, putting the finger back in the socket, and that's what's um, yeah, caused the break in the end. But he, he played out the game, and um, as we sort of mentioned in our last podcast, he actually played better the more the game went on. So he obviously didn't let it affect him and his play. So, look, uh, he's named, but um, we sort of chatted before the show, and you sort of noted uh, John Worsfall's language, Jame, and and what you reckon that might mean? Yeah, well, I just thought, you know, again, it's very hard to read coach talk because they are just so, you know, level when they speak. So it can be misinterpreted. But the way I read it was that he was kind of saying, well, Connor's got to do a lot of work before he can make the side on Friday night. Um, and we won't risk him, you know, the same same kind of um, talk we get from coaches generally is from, um, you know, he might get up, he might not, but I thought he left it kind of open and probably more leaning to, well, we won't take the risk. And I did note, I did notice uh, he mentioned uh, regarding forward line players, he mentioned Aaron Francis. So I, I think if I was a betting man, I reckon McKenna might miss and I reckon uh, Aaron Francis will come into the side on Friday night, but... We'll see if um, Nostradamus uh, tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess lesser news for us, but it's still pretty big news for the footy club. Uh, we have a new president-elect. Yeah, so uh, Paul Brasher will succeed our current president, uh, Lindsay Tanner, uh, later on in the year. Um, now, I didn't I didn't pick up a date uh, Myself for when that transition is supposed to happen, James. Unless you had any on that, uh, it's generally uh, in October, so um, generally at the end of the season, uh, before the um, you know the next uh, general meeting or the next um, what's that uh, meeting called? They at the end of the season. Yeah, the AGM. But like we heard during the week, the AFL has sort of set a, a tentative date for the grand final of seventeenth of October. Uh, obviously, that can change between you know here and now, but at least that gives us a, a ballpark figure of where they're looking to um, to finish the season. So I'm wondering if that AGM might be just delayed a little bit, um, maybe November, and that's where we'll see Paul Brasher take the reins there. But um, you know, I don't know what you've heard, Jane, but um, certainly um, you know, seen a lot of tweets um, you know, from from Scooter and from uh, from other people that have. Uh, basically sung Paul Brash's praises saying he's um, he's obviously been there or thereabouts 
uh, put his hand up for positions at the club. He's obviously a passionate Bombers man. Um, and a lot of people say he carries himself with a lot of integrity and, and a lot of passion. So, um, yeah, let's hope it's a it's a good, uh, uh, you know, position for him. So, um, yeah, did you have anything more to add on, on him, James? Uh, just that uh, he's obviously our finance guy or the treasurer um, in the past. I know he's had a lot to do with our finances. So he'll obviously... Uh, It'll be interesting to see what kind of mindset he comes in with. Obviously, he won't be a big personality like a Eddie Maguire or even to a lesser extent, even Lindsay Tanner had a lot of um, public speaking knowledge, you know, being an ex-politician. So uh, Paul Brush is more renowned for being fairly quiet, so I don't expect him to rock any boats. And I think he'll definitely have uh, a lot of, uh, you know, the finances... Probably really important this time of you know with the um, you know the state of the world at the moment with COVID nineteen maybe it's a good idea to have a finance guy overseeing the bombers. Yeah, I think him and uh, him and Xavier will probably work uh, work well hand in hand. Yeah, and I think uh, you know it's been a fairly big week for news. But uh, is there anything else that you'd heard around the traps? Look. Um... The, I suppose the other uh, in good news um, is, that, and we'll talk about the side later on, but uh, we obviously heard about Ned Carl, who'll be making his debut for the Bombers this week, uh, which is just fantastic. Uh, we've sort of spoken about him briefly in the podcast before, where he's certainly looking the goods uh, in the scratchies. So he's kicked 11 goals in the last three games he's played. So uh, just seems to be a really smart player. And um, yeah, wish I wish the young bloke well. He's definitely a good size for a for a younger player. I mean, I, I say good size for a small forward uh, kind of role, like uh, sort of has a more mature body uh, than some do coming into the AFL. So it'll just be interesting how we structure our um, our players going into the game. But uh, that just thought of uh, yeah, Ned Cale getting his his debut game. Uh, it's probably just reward for for hard work. Yeah, well, he kicked the uh, I think eleven goals in the last three scratch matches. So, you know, when you're averaging three or four goals a game, even if it is in a scratch match of you know ten on ten or twelve on twelve, um, you know what I mean. Like, it's still got to go out and kick goals, and I'm sure the opposition don't lie down for you. So, he's obviously got a bit of uh, nous around the goals. It's interesting, you know, we're a really small side and. We've added uh, added to that, you know, with uh, Ned coming into the side, and you know, when you we look at the changes, which we'll discuss in a moment. Um, yeah, I would have thought if Ned was coming in, it might have been at the expense of another small player, but you know, nonetheless, we've added another one this week. So <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to the centre half forward line because that generally is a small brigade. So why don't you go through the team now, mate? Yeah, no worries, mate. So from the named side, as we mentioned before, so, um, you know, this isn't necessarily one that's going to run out there, but it's the one that's named right now. So from the back line, so we've got Hurley, Hooker, and Redmond. He makes his way back into the side, and good on him too. Um, I sort of mentioned last week that he 
really looked to be proving a point in that scratch match he played. He was running everywhere and uh, certainly causing havoc. And uh, yeah, great to see him back in the side. Um, off the halfback, we got Saad, Ridley, and Zaharakis. Uh, in the centre, we got Ham, McGrath, and Parrish. Off the half forward line is Carl. So Ned Carl, Will Snelling, and Arazio Fantasia. With a forward line of McDonald, Tip, and Woody, McKernan, and Townsend. With the followers of Phillips, Mitchell Hibbard, Zach Merritt. And on the bench, we got McKenna, Devin Smith, Langford, and Laverde. With the emergencies of Bell Chambers, Gleason, Francis, and Clark. Yeah, well, uh, again, my prediction is that Francis will make his way into the side. Um, and I'm a bit suspect on Connor playing. But um, having said that, I'd love to see Connor remain in the side and be able to get through the game. But, um, you know, despite, you know, you, you start looking at the names that are out and got some huge names out when you look at, you know, Danaher, Stringer, Scheel, Pebble. It's a lot of our top 10 players when you look, look at them that way, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, um, I guess it's it's just really pleasing to see that previously, if we were missing our top four or five players, we like we wouldn't have a hope on the park. Um, without that sort of core leadership there, we'd fall apart. But obviously now we've got a lot more players around the ground that can play important roles for us, and we just seem to have a lot more of a uh, a team frame of mind. Um, you know, everyone just does their role. For the greater the team, um, and I suppose one thing I, sh- I should have mentioned in the um, when naming the side is um, so Marty Gleeson uh, has been managed, uh, so he won't play this week. Um, word from Wusha was that uh, he got a bit of a heavy knock against North that sort of affected his strength in his hamstring, so they didn't want to risk him this week for fear that he uh, might blow it out, so better to manage him now so he can um, you know, push back into the side later as opposed to trying to push it and then maybe um, you know, sitting sitting on the sidelines for a number of weeks uh, if he did manage to to ping it. And then, yeah, obviously with Shiel out with the suspension, not only for this game but for next week as well. So um, we'll certainly miss him in the midfield. But um, I guess... You know, on the upside, if we you know think of the positives, I'm hoping it gives um, Parrish a lot more opportunities in the centre. We've seen him play more in the midfield last week, which was excellent. He obviously played really well in there, had 16 possessions up to half time, um, and looked really comfortable. So hopefully he can play a bit more in there. Um, Mitch Hibbard keeps his spot in the side, um, so he is that bigger bodied. Uh, sort of midfielder that I think will actually get a bit more opportunity in midfield this week uh, due to Shields' absence. But it's just good to see that when we do have players missing for whatever reason, um, other people can step into that role. Yeah, and you know, one of the ones I I'll called for uh, in our last episode, I think uh, Kyle Langford will get a little bit more time in the midfield, potentially lining up on Bondapalli. Yeah, that'd be a great contest, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, they're similar body sizes. Obviously, um, the Bont is a beautiful player and 
we'd love to play have him on the Bombers side, but um, as I said, I think Cole proved that he could play on top quality players as he did on uh, Paddy Cripps and uh, Pendlebury. So I think this could be a task that you could assign uh, to Kyle and if he can uh, do a good job on the bond, uh, it might actually help us win the game. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, why don't you read out the Bulldogs team and I noticed uh, the talk is Luke Beveridge has swung the axe. Yeah, he certainly has, mate. Uh, so they've had... Uh, four outs, and obviously four people come back in. Um, so I guess I'll go through the outs. So Josh Shackey, Lewis Butler, Riley West, and Toby McLean have all been omitted. Uh, and into the side is a debutant, uh, Cody Waitman. Uh, and then you've got Hayden Crozier, Lockie Young, and Matthew Suckling. So if I read out their side, uh, going from the back line, so you've got Bailey Williams, Alex Keith, and Caleb Daniel. From the halfbacks, you've got uh, Jason Johannesson, Easton Wood, and Hayden Crozier. From the centres, you've got Jack McRae, Marcus Bontempelli, and Lockie Hunter. Half forwards, you've got Bailey Dale, Zane Cordy, Latham Vandermeer. Forward line, you've got Mitch Wallace, Josh Bruce, and Cody Waitman. The followers of Tim English, Tom Liberatore, and Bailey Smith. And on the bench, they've got Matthew Suckling, Ed Richards, Patrick Lipinski, and Lockie Young. With emergencies, Lewis Butler, Billy Gowers, Callum Porter, and Jordan Sweet. Yeah, well, it's uh, going to be a, a game. I, I think we spoke during the week, mate, and I, is it something like we haven't beaten the Bulldogs since 2014? Is that correct? That, that's absolutely correct, mate. It's a, it's a, oh, a terrible record for us. We beat them twice in that 2014 season and not once since. Yeah, it's a it's a strange record for us to have. You know, I'd expect it against maybe a Geelong or a Hawthorne, but like the Bulldogs, you know, yes, they won the premiership in 2016, but it's not like they've always been world beaters. So we they've obviously have our measure and oh, who could forget that game last year, you know, where we... I think we kicked the first couple of goals and then we didn't kick another one for for the rest of the match. Yeah, I'm still trying to forget it, James. But, uh, and the less we say about it, the better. Yeah, actually, we did kick a goal at the end, but I think they kicked 21 goals in a row. <laughs> so, you know, uh, let's hope they don't get a run on like that or it'll be all over. But, um, yeah, I hope, like, I know clubs move on week to week, but I hope the club wants to retract that performance and the best way to do it would be, you know, maybe not winning by the same amount back, but at least, you know, letting the Bulldogs know they're in for a real contest this time. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, looking at the side now, I think we are actually better placed. I mean, some of the younger players um, have like another season of development in them. So uh, a number of games they've, um, and that playing together, so they've galvanised as a as a unit. In terms of the the rucks, obviously we've got uh, Phillips in there, who'll be able to go with English, and so and that's one area that they definitely hurt us in last year with uh, Bell Chambers. He just couldn't go with English around the ground and really hurt us. Uh, so yeah, look, I'm I'm actually pretty confident we we're, we're going to take it up to him uh, this week. 
And uh, yeah, I guess you're right. Like I hope, I hope for some of the players that game last year sort of burns in them and just makes them uh, come to this contest with plenty of fire in the belly because, um, you know, we just really need to take it to this mob and it'd be sweet to break that monkey off our off our backs uh, with a good win against the Dogs. Now, it's got to be said, the Bulldogs are not in great form. Uh, but that can be worrying as well because um, it's not like we've been world beaters, although we have a great record at the moment. Um, you know, Somebody said to me during the week, you know, we're four and one, but we're not far away from being, you know, maybe even two and three, you know. So um, it's not like we've won our games convincingly. Yes, we've done what we've needed to, but let's all be honest as uh, Bomber fans, we have had a relatively soft draw. So apart from the Collingwood, I think the rest of the other teams haven't really made the eight. So we're not, we're probably beating who we should be. Uh, having said that, we have had a lot of injuries, so uh, if we can keep banking these wins early and wait for some of the stars to return, it sets us up really well for the business end of the season. Yeah, absolutely, and great point you make there, James. Like, I was listening to the Sash podcast, and I think they said we've only beaten one side in the top eight. Uh, so, you know... Yeah, we can't be thinking, oh, yep, four and one, we're, we're flying. Like, yes, it's good to get these wins on the board, but as I say, we still need to build as a team. And um, it's games like this where we really need to step up and just make sure we uh, we get the four points and put ourselves in the best opportunity to get these wins early to set us up for later in the season. Yeah, that's right. And I think, you know, I think Essendon supporters have become a little bit pessimistic only because... When you think about it, we you can never really bank on us, if you know what I mean, in terms of, you know, you look at the draw and if you just read it, you'd say, okay, there's a good chance we can be 6-1, and one, you know, with the Bulldogs and the Crows to come. The two games that you'd be hoping to win, but I don't think any Essendon fan could say with assurance, yep, we'll be 6-1. and one. <laughs> I think there's a little bit of, you know, pessimism there where which says to us oh you watch we'll drop one of these you know so um that's something i hope the club can build in you know build into its supporters and fans that we can learn to trust the club and the players because we've seen it so often uh when the bombers are you know expected to win um we will actually drop the un you know or what looks like an unlosable game but then we're also capable of beating an unbeaten team. So we have to take the good and the bad. But in my mind, uh, I'd love to see the Bombers you know, sell a bit of assurance to us and say, hey, on, we'll win these games for you because we sh- we're the better side and we'll show you how. All right, well, uh, let's talk about some of the key matchups. Uh, I've, I've flagged the first one. I thought there's a good opportunity for Langford to play on Bontepalli. We, we discussed it briefly, but... You think Kyle's suited to play on the bond? Well, I think he's the the most suited uh, from our list. Um, you know, also that that bigger body, uh, as well as the agility to sort of go with him around the ground. I think uh, Kyle can definitely do that. He's got the smarts for it. Um, I think, you know, obviously the bond is a bit of a freak athlete as well. So you'll probably have Langford uh, for pace around the ground. But if Kyle can keep him honest, uh, in at the contest, 
And I'm sure we'll have blokes that'll uh, put their hand up to lay a body on Bontempelli uh, so he doesn't get too comfortable. Um, I think he can definitely play a really important role for us in uh, stifling his, his influence on the game. Another player we're going to have to watch after last year's performance, Tim English. I'm glad they didn't name Bally for this game because, as I said, he's just not suited for it. But, um, yeah, Phillips was towed up last week. He he was beaten convincingly by Goldstein. Uh, do you think Phillips can um, go with English tomorrow night? Yeah, I think he can, and I think he'll actually step up this game and um, really like try to cement his spot in the side. Obviously, last week against Goldstein, I mean, let's... And let's not be um, uh, sort of down player because Goldstein has been in really good form this season. It's not like he only had a day out against Phillips. Um, so I think Phillips actually come into this game with a bit of a point to prove to go, look, you know, while I got tailed up last week, I'm still um, uh, a top ruckman in the game because, you know, that week he, he played against uh, Grundy in the ruck he did. Uh, he did say that he wanted to be the number one ruckman for Essendon, which I think is just a great attitude. So I'm I'm actually going to back him in to um, to have a big game. And look, it's a really important role for us against English. Like English is quite a dynamic uh, ruckman in that he it's not only the tuck, the ruck work he does, but he gets around the ball. The ball. He uh, presents an option for that release kick. Uh, whether it's coming out of a halfback or, you know, along the wing. Um, so he's got a, like Phillips has got a really important role for us in, uh, you know, at least evening the contest, if not getting it going our way. So that'll be a big one. So how do you read it, Jane? Yeah, I think, yeah, Phillips, being a bit more mature in terms of his age, I think he can really go in and rough up English a little bit. Because um, I, Phillips definitely makes you work for the ball, even against uh, the high-quality Ruckman in Grundy and Goldstein, although he was beaten probably by, honestly, by both. Uh, you could just see he's a really good competitor, though, and he's probably playing against two of the top three Ruckman, you know, so um, it wasn't like they weren't hard tasks. And English is definitely an up-and-coming star. I think he'll be a great Ruckman. But I think at this stage of his career, I think Phillips can definitely put a lot of body work into English. And English may not like that because, um, as I said, uh, he's probably used to beating a, a Ruckman, probably similar to Bell Chambers, who will just lope around and just do the hit-outs. And, and then that's where English can show his skills by getting off these kind of Ruckman. But with a Phillips, I think he'll be more diligent and might keep English... Uh, pretty honest. Yeah, and just with that physicality, James, like that's that's what he sort of did with Grundy. Like he sort of launched into him at the run contest, didn't let Grundy get comfortable in the um like in his run ups to the to the ruck and stuff like that. So while Grundy did beat him, I think you're absolutely right with that tactic of, you know, being a bit more physical to throw English off his game. Other players to watch from the Bulldogs, you got Johansson on the half back line. Now he can get on his bike and be quite damaging. Another backman down there can play as a tagger and a little bit on the um, in the midfield. You got Caleb Daniel. Those two are two that we'll have to keep a close eye on. Yeah, absolutely. Like JJ's, like absolutely lightning. 
uh, when he gets on his bike. And Caleb Daniel, he's just actually a really smart player for them. But I think, um, you know, if you saw last week's game uh, when Doggies played against Carlton, um, the way Carlton sort of took Daniel out of the game was they um, played a real physical game on Daniel and like a bit of a taller player because obviously he's not the tallest bloke in the AFL. So um, if you play someone on top of him, like you can play uh, a bit of a taller role on him, he's um, yeah he's not able to, to go with people all game. He's he's more a smart player who um, who reads the, the ball really well. So hopefully our, our forwards, I mean, we've got a, a fleet-footed forward line, so I think we're well up to the task of um, having people make uh, Daniel and Johannesson accountable. You know, certainly uh, if you look at our uh, forward and half-forward line, uh, we've got basically players ready-made for these sorts of defenders to uh, make sure they're not uh, just having the game on their terms. But um, they've got actually... They've got quality on uh, basically all their lines, the doggies. I mean, while they haven't been, um, you know, setting the world on fire this year, we do need to make sure we pay due respect. they got some really good uh, defenders in, you know, Bailey Williams and Alex Keefe. I think they're actually quite good players and can be uh, quite important for them. Eastern Wood's just a, an out-and-out solid player. Um, obviously, the Bond... Um, Lockie Hunter, like those guys can rack up plenty of the ball. And, um, you know, Josh Bruce has um, had games where he's um, actually looked pretty dangerous. So we don't want to let those guys uh, get their tail up. Uh, so it'll be an all round uh, performance for us, like to make sure everyone uh, in all lines of the ground uh, play their role to make sure we can get up and get the four points. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a testing game and one that we really need to bank. As I said, it's been too long that we haven't beaten the Bulldogs. So let's uh, get that win tomorrow night. All right, well, after the break, we'll come back to our regular feature, Remember When? And, mate, when's your game from? Well, Dame, I'm uh, going back a number of years now, actually, to our last win against the Dogs, which sadly was uh, 2014. How about yourself, yourself mate? Well, I'm showing my age. I'm going back even further. I'm going to round 20, 1993, and the game that really sticks in my mind. So that's next after the break. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to Don's Cast and our regular feature of Remember When? Mate, we always start with you, so why don't you take us back to the year 2014? Yeah, no worries, James. So my game will be the round 18 of 2014. Now, the 2014 season was interesting in a number of ways. So James Hurd had been suspended for 12 months by the AFL for his part in the saga. So Mark Bomber-Thompson took the reins of the club and seemed to be implementing a game style to the club that could stand up in the big time. And we'd actually had a fairly good off-season at the end of 2013 in that we picked up Paul Chapman from the Cats for a half a bag of chips, really using pick 84 to bolster our forward line. And look, given the AFL sanctions imposed on us, you know, taking away our first and second round draft picks that year, 
we needed to work our way up the draft if we were to replenish our list. So I've got to say, Adrian Dodoro has done some great work in trade period uh, more recently, but I reckon he did some of his best work that year. Reluctantly trading away Stuart Cramery to the Bulldogs for pick 26 and Scott Gumbleton to Fremantle for pick 55. Now with those picks, James, Dodoro picked up the brother of Jackson, Zach Merritt, with pick 26. And he also picked up a bloke who's a slight-bodied live wire from Norwood, South Australia, called Orazio Fantasia, with pick 55. To complement that haul, we also picked up a boy named Patrick Ambrose in the rookie draft. Now, we'd been booted out of the finals in 2013 due to the sanctions. So the team was really hurting and there was definitely an us-against-them attitude we brought into that season, which was actually really galvanising for us fans. And we started the season pretty well, so we pumped North by 39 points before falling to the Hawks by 4 points in the next round. But all was right in the world again when we smashed Carlton by 81 points in round 3. We then had losses to Frio, St Kilda and Collingwood before winning a nail-biter against the Dogs in round 7. From there, we won six of our next nine games to be sitting at seventh on the ladder after round 17. But it was tight with percentage separating us from ninth. The Doggies, on the other hand, were sitting at 13th on the ladder, winning only the six games up to that point in the season. They had a few promising players, though, with a young gun named Marcus Bontempalli playing his first season for the club. And there was another bloke who went all right for them, and his name was Jake Stringer. For us, though, young gun Jake Carlisle had been moved forward by Bomber Thompson and kicked four goals the week before, so it was actually looking really good. And it was Carlisle who kicked the first goal of the match after a nice pass from Paddy Ambrose, found him all alone in the pocket. Each side then got another one before Dogs Ruckman Will Minson gave away a free in the ruck contest in our forward 50 to Paddy Ryder, who slotted it beautifully to have us leading 19-6. to then, after some great run from Courtney Dempsey down back, who passed to Ryder, who hit up Carlisle beautifully on the lead, our lead was stretched to 19 points when Jakey slotted his second. The Dogs got two goals back though, and the first quarter ended with us only having a five-point lead, 26-21 to 21 going into the second. Now, uh, Carlisle was quick to kick another goal for us after taking a great grab from um, like 30 seconds into the quarter. And we followed up by a great crumb goal to Travis Collier to stretch our lead to 15 points early in the second. Then it was all the doggies who kicked the next four goals, including a brilliant left foot snap to Stringer, before Fletch got it down to Carlisle, who took another screamer to kick his fourth. But the doggies took their lead at the end of half time, 54 to 47. At the start of the third, though, Jake Stringer for the dogs busted through Paddy Ambrose and Heath Hocking and banged one home from 45 out to have the Dogs leading by 13 points. The Dogs were very wary of Carlisle's influence on the game though, and were double teaming him with Dale Morris and McRae when he drifted back. But when they got sloppy and took Carlisle out of the contest, Jakey was given the free and he kicked it straight to have his keeping in touch with him to bag his fifth. Stringer then booted another um, before former bomber Stuart Cramery took a grab going back with a fly to the ball to slot one, and have the Dogs leading by 21 points. But then, another great run from Dempsey, streaming through the middle of the ground and delivering it beautifully to Paddy Ryder, 40 out from goal, to then slot his second, again had a staying in touch with the Dogs, which was followed up minutes later, when young gun Dyson Heppel kicked it to Jake Buckets Carlisle, 
who took another great grab and kicked his sixth to have us enter the fourth quarter, trailing by only 13 points. But the dogs kicked their first of the fourth when Jake Stringer read the ball best off a Paddy Ambrose tap to kick his fifth goal of the match, and the dogs led by 19 points at that stage. When Carlisle took yet another mark on the lead from a Hurley kick, he went back to kick his seventh, and Essendon signalled that they just were going to follow, fight this one through to the end. And after Paul Chapman kicked one through the big sticks, super sub Corey Delolio emphasised that when he slammed one through to even the scores with under 12 minutes left to go in the game. We then took the lead when Carlisle plucked the ball out of the sky one more time in the pocket to kick his eighth goal. Bontempelli then took a mark in the doggies goal square, goal square to peg us back. But then with just under five minutes to go in the game, with all doggy defenders focusing on taking Carlisle out of the game, Jason Winderlich leapt up to take a big grab in our own goal square to kick home what was to be the sealer of the game as we held on to win 15 goals 11, 101 to the doggies 14 goals 10, 94. To ram home the advantage. Heppel up and outmarked Dahlhaus. Can they take some momentum in at three-quarter time? They've moved Fletcher forward. Oh. Carlisle's the man, though. He's killing it. He's having, again, for the second week in a row, the day of his life. Carlisle floated in from the side. Well, he might have had 26 possessions, 19 marks last week, but he only kicked four, only four. This is for number six. You bet. The final siren, Hocking oh, knocks oh, it yeah. down. Myers, fake to handball, not a lot to go to by foot. Hurley, still not a lot to go to by foot. Great Squeeze kick. it to the man of the moment. Carlisle, 48 out. Carlisle is lining up for number seven. Yeah, that was as good a passage of play that the Bombers have put together tonight. Almost a one-man band inside forward 50. He's got seven of 11. Jeez. Merritt. This is Jackson towards full forward. Oh, he's plucked it from the back. Carla. He was fourth in line. He, he had no right to mark that one. He's got one step, I reckon. This for number eight. And he gets it. Eight goals won to Jack Carla. Two in every quarter. And the Bombers have kicked clear once again. Going to take the kick. The Bombers are home. In a tight one, they've come from behind in this final quarter. And thanks largely to one man, Jake Carlisle, who has finished the day with eight goals, two, to allow his side to scrape home to a seven-point victory. 15-11-101. To 14-10-94. Their finals hopes remain well and truly alive. The crowd went absolutely nuts after that final siren. And it was just a massive game for us to win. And it's crazy to think, you know, that's our last win against the Doggies. Especially when you think our last winning side against them had blokes like Delolio, Jackson Merritt and Paul Chapman. And it just seems like eons ago. What What were your memories of that game, James? Well, I remember Jay Carlo, he was coming off a huge game the week before where he kicked four goals, but he'd taken something like 23 marks or something like that. So he was in the, you know, 
well, we'd later learn in the best part of his career. And uh, he was only such a young player back then. And we thought, well, this guy's going to be something special. Um, and as you know, when you think about it now, we're now in 2020. Uh, somebody had a said to you after that game, you know that Carlisle bloke, he'll go and play for St Kilda later on. But you know that Stringer guy who kicked five goals for the Dogs, you'll get him. <laughs> you know? So um, it's funny how footy works out, and you know, you know time and you know, just circumstances. The players that you uh, don't like from other clubs can sometimes make it onto your club onto clubs list. And for me, I, you know, I'm a big fan of Jakey now. <laughs> you know, um, and I just think he's a great player. But Jay Carlisle uh, certainly had the world in front of him. And, uh, I'd have to say his career's definitely flattened out. Not to say that he's, you know, a bad player or anything. He just, you know, hasn't had the same promise as he showed in that 2014 back end of that year. Yeah, absolutely. And we've sort of, uh, there's been a few players like that we've mentioned previously. I mean, yeah, you Jake Carlisle, you you Carl Remus, like players like this who just all the talent in the world, uh, but just aren't able to. Uh, put it out there all the time, or there might be some, um, you know, issues with them getting in the game. But you know, we're just very happy to have the blokes we have. And, um, with uh, you know Jackie Stringer on our list now, I think we're definitely better for it. Um, and a brief uh, shout out to another bloke who was on the dogs list at that point, James, uh, by the name of Adam Cooney, who <laughs> <laughs> came across to us. Uh, you know, a bit later in his career and um, ended up finishing up there. And he's actually um, been really good. He's, he seems like a bomber through and through now. Like, even though he played most of his career at the Dogs, um, everything he, whenever he talks about the footy, you can just see his love for the Essendon Footy Club. So, um, yeah, like, while he didn't set the world on fire for us, he definitely uh, stepped up when, when uh, you know, we had... Uh, we definitely needed some some senior blokes uh, to help our younger players of the squad, and uh, yeah, so thanks to Coons, and uh, yeah, it's uh, good to remember um, that win anyway. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, good game. Um, yeah, well, my one, as I said, I'm going back to 1993. Obviously, it'll be a year that we'd go on and win the flag. But um, the baby bon- <clears throat> the baby bombers had surprised everyone to be top of the ladder uh, by round twenty, and this game was against you know the, obviously we went in as big favourites against the Bulldogs, um, but they were a team that were trying to keep their place or try to fight for a spot in the final six back then. So they were doing their best. They were about eighth on the ladder at the time. It was a wet day at the G, and um, we had a few players out, and one of them was the eventual 1993 Brownlow medalist, Gavin Wanganeen. So he missed this game due to an injury. So wet day at the G seemed to suit the dogs because they started the better, and they had a six-point lead at quarter time. The second quarter, the dogs continued to play tight footy, and it was only the brilliance of Derek Kickett that kept the Bombers close. The Star Bomber was putting on a show and kicked an incredible five goals in the second quarter alone to give the Bombers an eight-point lead. And uh, watching Derek that day, um, you know, there's been comments made that, you know, rain doesn't suit 
players, you know, indigenous players because they're not used to it. But he was putting on a show and his his skill really um, shone out on that day and uh, he, he was brilliant. Um, the third quarter was an arm wrestle. Both teams adding three goals, four apiece. And the lead remained eight points going into the last quarter. And Dougie Hawkins was still playing for the Dogs at this stage, so um, yeah, he was doing his best to get his Dogs home. Uh, the Dogs had plenty of the uh, plenty of the footy in the last quarter, and they drew within a goal before the man of the match, Derek Kickett, kicked his eighth goal in a true match-winning performance. The Bombers won the match by 13 points, and that was their fifth win in a row. In towards half-forward, Matt Lowry was held and then he took a good mark. Gets it off to kick it. Derek Kickett races in the goal for his third. Approaching goal, David Grenwold, 52 metres out. Kick it! Grenwold, 15 possessions. Oh, a climb and a mark. Olleran short. Short pass, kick it! And it's Brad Nicholson that is tearing apart this quarter. So Brad's on the back foot after a fantastic start. Six goals to kick it. Five in this quarter. McCurry back to Denham. 52 metres out. Kick it. Oh! Danny Delray preparing to come back on. It's one straight kick the difference. And Delray, who has had one kick so far. Salmon and Stanfield. Atkins has worked very, very hard. Taken away by Kelthorpe to McCurry. McCurry in towards half forward and breaking the shackles is Dean Wallace. He's moved, been moved to the forward line. A little chip pass, a push out of, by Kickett. He's got a Kickett. Derek Kickett for goal number eight. It bounces, it rolls. Oh, don't tell me he's kicked this. He has. Goal number eight. the West, and as he gives off a hand pass to Quill, the siren has sounded a good victory to the Bombers, 14-14, 98 Essendon have defeated Footscray 12-13-85. And as Drew said, Essendon answering the challenge, that is five wins on the trot now for the Bombers, 14-14-98. After a performance like that in round 20, it's hard to believe Derek Kickett would be omitted to the, for the grand final only about six weeks later. Derek was an incredible talent, and questions on his endurance and consistency were the concerns that Sheedy raised um, after the fact, after we heard this later on. And there's also a bit of scuttlebutt that during the qualifying final loss against Carlton that year, uh, Derek was a bit despondent and didn't come off the bench to join the team. So... Uh, he may have put himself in the gun for that. But obviously it led to a very long dispute between Sheeds and Derek. But um, I, I saw that seemed to have been patched up a little over time. But, uh, yeah, Derek was a brilliant player. I really liked watching him play. I missed, I missed him wearing the Bombers colours um, after he transferred and went up to Sydney. Uh, he, but he certainly wasn't as lean when he played for the Bombers when he went up to Sydney. I don't know if you remember him running around in the Swans colours, but let's just say white wasn't his colour in terms of... <laughs> it wasn't very flattering. Um, but he was a brilliant player, and I, I loved watching him. 
And uh, ultimately, we can't uh, judge Sheeds too hard for uh, not picking Derek because he ended up picking a grand final winning team. And I was a senior coach. That's all you can expect and want. Yeah, absolutely. He was, um, he was actually one of my favourite players, uh, Kick It. Uh, just one of those mercurial talents that when he turned it on, he was just a like for and like even when he was in the bombers play, bombers colors uh like he he wasn't your um uh, uh your adonis looking figure um but geez he could play footy and that's what you want him there for and i just remember that game he took some really strong marks it's um yeah it was, it was actually really nice to sort of have a look at the highlights and um like remember that game and obviously, uh, yeah, that it's always great to remember that season and um, and the like the brilliant the brilliant players and um, and games we had in that year. So now that was a good recount. And look, it was a shame the way um, Kiggett um, uh, you know exited the the club. Um, but it is good that the Bombers have tried to you know patch up some old wounds and getting back to the club in, in some way, shape or form. And look, it is, um, it's, it's great to remember that while there's only, you know, 18 blokes on the park at any one point in time, as like a season's a long time and the, the team, uh, that helps you through the season, um, uh, is a lot bigger than your, your 18 or your 22 now. So, um, no, nah, good recount, James, and uh, yeah, what a player. Yeah, well, just for Derek's, uh, you can understand why he was so bitter about it because he actually played in every game and final except for the grand final. So <laughs> that was really harsh on him. And um, if it was done for a bit of a lesson, what a what a hard lesson that is to learn. So, yeah, understandably, he was a bit cranky on it. But... Um, Sheeds has his way, and he actually picked Dean Wallace ahead of um, Derek Kickett for that grand final. And we all remember Dean Wallace uh, leaving an impression on Mill Hanna that, that uh, grand final. So, um, as I said, Sheeds picked the right team in the end because that team was successful and won the grand final. So, can't, um, can't question Sheeds too much, but it was sad to see Derek leave. Alright, well, after the break, we'll come back and we'll finish up with Bomber Predictions. You're listening to Don's Cast, and as we wrap up the show, we always do our Bomber Predictions. We're not shooting that high at the moment, mate, so I'm waiting to see someone get an exact first goal kicker leading disposal winner and close to the margin. So you reckon you've got that this week, mate? Oh, look, I reckon we might be waiting a while longer, mate, but uh, I'll give it a crack. So you know what? I'm going to go all in on first game and Ned Carl to, to kick our first of the match. I think he's a, a really smart player. He knows his way around the footy. And, uh, you know, we might just be looking for him to get him into the game early uh, because... Uh, I think, you know, the matchups down there, like if he goes on a Caleb Daniel or something like that, might actually suit him. How about yourself, mate? Who have you, who have you picked? Well, I'm hoping it's a bit of a good omen. 
I'm going to pick AMT to kick our first goal. And usually, as we know from last year, if he kicks a goal, pretty much a good sign that we're going to go on and win the game. So, yeah, Anthony McDonald Tip Moody is the player I'm choosing to kick the first goal. Uh, most disposals for the game for the Bombers. Who are you picking? Yeah, well, it'll be an interesting one. Uh, I'm actually going to go Andy McGrath. Uh, with no shield there, uh, obviously we don't have that that big bull. Um, and I think, you know, if the Doggies were going to target anyone, it probably would be a Zach Merritt, who might not get as much of the footy. So I think Andy McGrath has uh, put together quite a solid season and... Uh, might be due to uh, work his magic with the pill. So, how about you, mate? Who have you gone for? Yeah, well, after having a pretty uh, quiet game for Zach's, uh, a player of Zach's ability, I think Zach Merritt will bounce back and he'll lead our possession count. So, I think uh, Zach will take on the extra responsibility of not having Dylan Shield out there and he'll do his best to get the most possessions for the Bombers. And we know if uh, Zach gets plenty of the ball, the Bulldogs will be hurting because he's still a very good user of the footy. And the most important one, mate, who wins and by how much? Look, mate, I'm going to back us in to um, shake off the hoodoo and actually get a win against these uh, these doggies. But I, it won't be comfortable for us. Uh, I'm tipping another... Win by under 10 points. Probably, like, I reckon eight points. So, yeah, just over a goal, we'll get it done. Um, not that I want it to happen. I'd you know, much rather a, a bit of a more comfortable ride to win by seven or eight goals. But I just think um, we are probably an evenly matched side against the Doggies in terms of um, you know, players on the park. So we'll um, see how that rolls. But how about you, mate? What's your pick? Yeah, this is a real tough one. As I said, we haven't beaten the dogs for such a long time. It's hard to pick them. I will. But again, I can't say it with any confidence. So I'm going to say one or two points. So I think it'll be just a nail-biter for us. Um, and look, I'd love to do our review show talking about a big 10-goal win. But for me... Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, when we have, I'm not trying to make excuses, we've got a lot of good players out. Um, and you wonder, you know, what's the straw that breaks the camel's back? I hope that's not going to be a bad performance against the dogs. Um, but let's hope the Bombers do prevail and get a big win and go on to be 5-1 and one after round 7. Yeah, that'll be the dream, mate. And... Yep, to be 5-1 and one with a game in hand would be very handy. All right there, mate. Well, that'll wrap up the show. Um, we'll obviously do our review show maybe Saturday or Sunday. Um, but let's hope the Bombers win on tomorrow, on Friday night. And uh, let's hope it's not as dewy as it was the other night and we get to see some pretty good footy too. Yeah, but in saying that, you know, that, that dewy footy did suit our smalls. So, look... So long as the, the boys crack in and and get those four points, mate, I'll take that and run. Uh, so I'm just hoping for a good contest from the fellas and, yeah, hope they uh, hope they come away with a win. All right, then. So with that, I'll say go Bombers. Go Dons.